listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. I invite you to, to take your seats and we're gonna get right into the word this afternoon. Um, I totally now understand why I was uh, wrestling today on the duration of the message. Um, when I looked at my little, you know, my iPad, not little, but it's, I mean, it's fairly large. I mean, as I was looking at it, um, I saw on the algorithm, it said, based on what you fed into it, your message will be seven minutes long. I looked at it, I thought, that can't be right. That can't be right, but I understand why, because we want to have opportunity to linger today and worship as we already have, which is beautiful, but we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back, and Ed and Lori are going to return, and we want to have uh, some responsive uh, worship um, as we respond to the word here this afternoon. And we're continuing our series, Into the World into the world. I hope this past week you've been encouraged and inspired to get into the world, taking what you have heard about the gospel, who Jesus Christ is to you by the power and truth of his word, and you're carrying it with you everywhere that you go. You know, it's just like anything in life, practice in a way makes perfect. I don't really know if you can truly be perfect really at anything. We're always growing, we're always learning. But the more that you step out, the more that you stretch yourself, the more that you grow. And so uh, we're going to actually return back to Acts 13 today. This um, same passage, same encounter, same story, but we're going to look at another uh, piece of that picture in Acts 13. And so here in chapter 13 of Acts um, Paul and Barnabas have been called and set apart by the Holy Spirit of God, and they're beginning their ministry. Um, they're beginning on the island of, of Cyprus, and some wonderful work is about to happen. They're about to evangelize an island, and this is where the account uh, picks up after they've been set apart and sent out. It said, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, and arriving in Salmis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. And this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elmas and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And then 
When he saw what happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, what we don't want to get up caught up here is where this event has taken place um, to Elmas, where he has been stricken with blindness for a very purpose. It wasn't because God is a mean, evil guy trying to smite you with this magnifying glass and knock you down a whole bunch of pegs, but rather he uses these opportunities to get our attention, to be able to draw us to him to show above all else that he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. There is no other God but him. Because if Elmas was truly serving the God, he wouldn't be able to be stricken with this kind of blindness. He wouldn't be able to see what happened happen to him because he would be insulated and protected. But then this happened and, and the scripture says the Lord does things in our life so that we would turn in repentance. Do not forsake the Lord's kindness. And the reason why I mentioned that is last week we touched on how Paul could sympathize with this man's ordeal because at one point he was a violent persecutor of the church and he went around doing some pretty violent things in the name of God. And the Lord on the road to Damascus encountered Paul, came to him. And in that interaction, calling out to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul ended up becoming blind for a purpose. That his eyes would be opened anew to see the true God, the true Lord, with a fresh new outlook. Paul turned to the Lord in repentance. And perhaps as you read this, you're hoping as I have, because there's no account of it, that Elmas maybe had responded. We don't know. Only God knows. And how that spoke to me fresh today was, we don't know what the Lord is doing in every human heart. We can't possibly know, but God knows. And the last time we, we gathered and looked at this passage, we saw that despite the opposition that Paul and Barnabas faced at the hands of this sorcerer, they not only overcame that opposition and, and stood their ground, but they witnessed this tremendous fruit in Governor Paulus. It says that he believed, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. If the Lord that you serve can do that, what else could he do? I serve the emperor. Just think of himself, the governor in Rome, they believed over time that the emperor himself was divine. That in fact, it's the emperor who brings peace. It's the emperor who brings hope. He's the one who's going to make all the other enemies vanish. But here, the governor's realizing there is someone greater. There is someone stronger. And it's not Caesar. It's not the sorcerer and the gods that he's seeking to invoke, which are really demons. But it's the Lord of hosts, God Almighty, Yahweh. In John 1.18, it says that Jesus is God himself. So think about it. We're seeing Jesus be the center of my life. You are inviting God 
into the sphere of your circumstance. Jesus be the center of it all. Can he move mountains? Can he shift your circumstance? Absolutely. This is what the governor believed and what he saw. And in fact, as we go through the rest of the chapter in the coming weeks, we will see that many people came to believe in the Lord. But we need to understand there is no falsehood here. As we go into the world, creating these roads and outlets for the gospel to be spread, the enemy of all our souls will stand in opposition as we stand for grace, as we stand for truth in Jesus. The wonderful hope that there is not one that who is willing to listen to the gospel whom God cannot reach. Look at here at the beginning of the passage. It says in verse 7 that this bar Jesus was with the proconsul, Paulus, an intelligent man, and this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. And then in verse 12, it said, after he saw all that happened, he believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. There is no one that's too far gone who's beyond the reach of God. All it takes is a listening ear to be willing to hear. One of the walking points for us here today is this. As we look and see the life of Paul and Barnabas, they show us the importance of being willing to go into the areas of great challenge going to the areas that maybe seem unmovable and going to those who we think won't listen. I'm sure some things come to mind right when I said that, didn't it? What are those immovable areas? And I was encouraged this afternoon, I added this in my notes, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful that by it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He is able to move, he is able to change circumstance, and the fire is able to burn off all the things that do not honor him. He's able to renew. That's what a fire does. It renews. It, can, it, it paves a way for new life to begin out of the ashes that we rise. But we have to be willing to go into those areas that are daunting and to those who we think won't listen. Number two, there's always teaching opportunities. Here we see, it says, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You know, I can remember so many times where at first, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But you realize after conversation with folk, maybe it's at a coffee shop or maybe it's in the workplace where you've talked about some matters in life and some circumstances. But if you look back at it and realize the conversation you have, you would see that that was a teaching moment that in that sphere of emotional pain or heartache, as you shared the comfort that you yourself have received from the Lord, you saw that that became a teaching moment for the person that you were speaking with and engaging with. 
I mean, in my own life, in my young life, I'm only 38 years old, but at the same time, I've been through quite a few circumstances and experiences where I can say, God, you are not only teaching me and showing me your glory in those circumstances, you were reaching out through my life to others. And the one thing I appreciate about this, this uh, account of Paul and Barnabas is that we can't think that people in government need to be just totally written off completely because there are those who are willing to listen. It said that Paulus was an intelligent guy. Now I understand some of you may think some of our leaders are not very intelligent, but there are some. Not all people in such positions are spoken for by the enemy. They may have opposing voices. As we can see, bills and things on the, on the floor of the House of Commons, some crazy thinking and ideology. You're thinking, how does that happen? Well, some are under the influence of the darkness of evil, and others are listening to the voice of the Lord to be a voice of truth and righteousness in the world. And God has appointed them to serve in those positions. And I believe like Paulus in this story, there are those who can be transformed. They can come to believe and in turn serve as God has intended in those positions to be a beacon of justice, righteousness, and truth in all of their conduct. But we have a part to play in that. And I'm guilty in that also. When I turn on the news and I just see how the time's disgusted with the way things are happening in our world and the government scale, I'm realizing a part of my play in this and all of us is to pray for our leaders. And that is a tall order, isn't it? When your leaders impose higher taxes, maybe you're struggling to make ends meet and when you're looking at the fuel gauge and your vehicle and your seat's getting near empty and you go to the pump and you see how much it costs to put fuel in your tank and you see it's hard to you know, meet all the other bills, it's easier to curse than to bless and pray for your leaders. And I'm being honest with you, when I filled up today, I thought, mmm. <laughs> but the spirit and forming and molding my heart. Practice, you know what I'm gonna say? Practice what you preach. Pray for your leaders. Those who are in authority, we're told in 1 Timothy 2, verse one, to pray for those in such positions. I believe that long before Paul and Barnabas ever came into contact with the governor, it said that they were in Antioch and they were praying and they were fasting to get the heartbeat of God. And the Lord said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. And then they headed out and they came in contact with a governor of the province of Cyprus. And it wasn't by accident. No doubt that that interaction and praying that they came in contact with him and his heart was moved and he believed and like Paulus and many others, that would have an impact on the entire Roman world, which down the road eventually impacted all of us. Think about that ripple effect for a moment. Praying, fasting, asking for God to use you for a person in leadership and authority to be humble, to have a listening ear, to hear the gospel, to be transformed. You see all this ripple effects happening, like a, like a rock being tossed onto a pond and you see it skip and eventually it's out of your sight, but you can't see all the ripples. Yeah. 
that are caused because of it. God would go on to use the Romans' ingenuity, in particular their infrastructure of roads for not only connecting the empire and supporting commerce, but it would also create inroads for the very gospel to be shared and supported. So let me ask you this. If God could do that in that time with 12 faithful individuals, especially two at this moment in this account, to change and transform the world, to make a ripple effect, can he not use you? Is there something special and uniquely set apart about Paul and Barnabas in comparison to you? No. Because the scripture emphatically declares to us in 1 John that you and I have the same spirit of God dwelling within us and teaching and giving revelation to each one of us. So think about it. He can use you in every circumstance as we set ourselves to be all that God has called us to be. As you cast the gospel, the good news that you were saved, not because of the works that you've done, but because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And that simply by believing in him that you are justified means you're right with God. You have access to God. And now all he's saying is follow me. Would you trust me? And along the way, cast the line of the gospel to those who are willing to hear. And as you give God your life, as you give him the opportunity, Lord, be the center of my life. As we embrace these teaching opportunities, he's going to put people into your path. Raise the bar. Raise the bar of your expectation and anticipation of what God can do in your life. You know, I have my cousin here today. I'm not going to say your name. It's okay. But I have my cousin, and, and he pumps a lot of iron. And I'm inspired by that. But the truth is, you can't see gains and growth unless you push yourself and you're willing to put in that extra set. You can't give up. And sometimes it hurts. <laughs> Ephesians 2.10, says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You are the workmanship of God. I like to think of it as best as I can. I'm not the best storyteller, but I think of it like an ice sculpture. God is able to chip and and define and be crafty in your life, smoothing out some of the rough edges so that you are able to work into places otherwise you wouldn't be able to get into to be able to share the very gospel. But at the end of the day, it's not you who's making the impact, who's bringing the growth. It's God himself. Paul understood this when people were, were like leveling certain leaders, like, oh, some people are serving Apollos. Isn't he great? And some people say, oh, no, Paul's the guy. I mean, you got to follow Paul. He's a much better speaker. He doesn't look so good, but he's a better speaker. And Paul goes on to say, no, it's not about whether you follow Apollos or you follow Paul. It's about serving the Lord. And in fact, some will sow, some will water. And they're equally important. 
but it's God who gives the growth. And you know what that says to me? The pressure's off. When you, sometimes we overcomplicate, like, Lord, I really want to see my neighbor one to you, Lord. And we overcomplicate. He's just saying, look, if you would just make yourself available to have that coffee, to sit down, to have an open, transparent conversation, I'm going to move through you. I'm going to speak through you. And when you're open, he's even going to give you words that afterwards you'll look back and say, where did that come from? There's been times where I'm sitting there. I mean, I joked this past week with one of our leaders. I don't even know how it all comes together sometimes. And I'm humble in that regard. I am not the most eloquent person when it comes to speech. But sometimes God just moves and he gives me the words and so powerful. That's because we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But you have to be willing to go into the areas that you think are immovable and also to speak to the people who you think won't listen. That's the reminder for us today. God is calling you as you raise the bar to see what you think is immovable, but that God can move, he can shake it by his consuming fire. And he's gonna speak to you, to others, so that they too can encounter the hope of the gospel for themselves. And this whole interaction in Paul in the early church time happened because they were willing to go out from the prayer time, from the worship time, and to share and to look for those teaching opportunities. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for those teaching opportunities, not only in our own life and seeing that you are living and active, that you are true, but God, also that you are putting people on our heart. Lord, that you speak to others through us. We thank you, Lord, that as your workmanship, you empower us to be your witnesses. And so, Lord, we see this example in the account of the early church, how they gathered together and had many things in common. They took care of one another, cared for one another. Lord, we ask as we take this time to respond in worship, to set ourselves apart to you, to invite you to come into this assembly, would you move upon us? Would you stir us in a fresh way? Give us collective direction. And Lord, would you soften our heart to areas maybe where we've hardened ourselves to your leading direction. To be open to your moving power and love in our life. Lord, we desire that you be the center of our life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. As Ed and Lori lead us in this time of, of response, there's three things 
I invite us corporately to pray about. The first one is to say, Lord, help me to see all those teaching opportunities and to give thanks for them. And that's important that we're thankful as the Lord teaches us because sometimes there's a hint of discipline there. Number two, pray for those in authority and their reception of the gospel. Number three, pray for God's guidance and strength as we live out these truths together because you're not alone. We are his workmanship. Amen. And so while, while we're here in this place, you, whether you you're, uh, remain seated or, or standing, I just invite you to raise the bar and to invite the Lord of hosts into our gathering as you consider these prayers, as you share them with your, your supplications to the Lord, through, even through song. Because I believe here today he's going to move freshly within your heart, within your mind, and within us corporately. Amen? Let's worship and pray together. Thank you, Jesus.